0: What is up today? I talked to Lee Rye This was a super fun one for me. And looking back, definitely an early seed in my, I guess, love and now business approach to investing in craft beer. Lee is an Oshkosh, and let's just call it broader Winnebago County beer historian. And he goes in super depth in the history of Winnebago County beer, which has a rich history just like the whole state of Wisconsin does. And uh, since then, um, I've done a lot with breweries, including launching the We Brew Project. Check out We Brew Project on Facebook for Wisconsin craft beer content. And uh, check out Lee Reiherser. You can check him out at Oshkosh Beer Blog. You can Google that. Otherwise, it's oshkoshbeerblog.blogspot.com. And uh, Lee is awesome. This conversation was awesome, and I hope you enjoy it. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? Welcome. Thank you for joining. We're with Lee Ryeherzer, who is actually named after Rye Beers. (laughs) Um, He runs the Oshkosh Beer Blog. Uh, which is oshkoshbeerblog.blogspot.com yeah and a uh, very successful blog he has a ton of content on there about just the brewing history which goes deep as i understand yeah i mean i i
1: mostly concentrate on winnebago county and oshkosh in particular mm-hmm. um and that goes back to 1849 first brewery in in oshkosh in 1849 wow. yeah
0: and that's one year after wisconsin became a state yeah i mean it's it's <laughs> right from the beginning right from the get yeah that's Wisconsin yeah um, and he recently wrote a book um, it's called Winnebago County beer and it's what is it, a, heady a heady history a heady history exactly <laughs> um, so I did not give it that title
1: <laughs> that was the publisher but okay it's fine <laughs> yeah so th-
0: this is the uh, this is the book yeah. and uh, it seems like a, a nice and easy read <laughs> Obviously, it gets to modern the yeah it goes from
1: the uh, from the start you know from eighteen
0: forty nine right up until uh, twenty eighteen okay sweet yeah and just just over hundred and fifty pages um what what's been the feedback so far from, from uh so far
1: pretty good um you know you never know what people are going to say once you once you thrust yep. it out there and uh yep. I, it's been it's been pretty good i think uh the thing i've liked about it is uh how many people have told me how surprised they were about some of the stuff that's in there, you know, how deep the history goes and some of the events that happened.
0: What are some of the gold nuggets that people have been kind of uh, bringing to you? Because sometimes you think something's a gold nugget too. And then all of a sudden you realize it was that thing that everybody likes.
1: Well, what I like the, the period like that I really like the most is that period right around the 1870s, 1880s -hmm. where, you know, like, okay, so like 1875 in Winnebago County, there are 12 breweries. You know, and the population in Winnebago County at that point is uh, like uh, 38,000 and the whole county, the whole county. Like, so Oshkosh has like half that pop, you know, half of those people live in Oshkosh. Right. But at at that point, um, you know, there's there's 12 breweries Mm -hmm. in the county it's just like an am- yeah <laughs> you know and if you look at it now so now there's eight breweries in Winnebago county mm-hmm. and our population in Winnebago county is like 170,000 mm-hmm. you know with Oshkosh being like 66,000 people wow so just the the fact that that small number of people could support that many breweries and right. and uh you know have that kind of culture going it's
0: cool was there um was there any like conclusion that you were able to deduce about why that is Does it have to do with like the value of money or well anything like a that? lot of
1: it happens because so y- these breweries are different um, you've got all these German immigrants coming into the area mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and these breweries are basically neighborhood breweries mm-hmm. what's happening now you know with these small breweries it's it's not too distant from what it was like in 1870s mm-hmm. um, so every neighborhood within reason has right. basically their own brewery, wherever there's a decent congregation of people, you're gonna have a brewery. I mean, you look even in Butamore, mm-hmm. you know, population 300, they have mm-hmm. a brewery, yep. you know, at, at that point. Um, so that, that aspe- aspect of it really fascinates me wow. and how, um, you know, so they're not bottling any beer at this point. Okay. It's all, they're selling that beer right out of the brewery. Right. There's some saloons coming up around town and, and in the county and they're selling beer at saloons. Okay. But this is all keg beer. You know, so this is almost before bottling was
0: at scale. Yeah, totally. Gotcha. Like
1: before prohibition, um, there were a lot of different laws that really hampered brewers when it came to bottling okay. so most brewers didn't even want to deal with bottling okay um later on like in the 1890s 1880s 1890s you see these independent bottlers pop up where they'll go and buy kegs of beer from a brewery and, and then they'll they'll bottle it you okay. know uh and and
0: so there was a lot of that happening too Did did that kind of develop like did that bring the price of bottling down when that started not yet because okay. at that point
1: it, it was such a messy affair. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you've been in breweries, you see these bottling lines people have, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're right. sitting there with hoses right. and hand cappers oh. and stuff. And, yeah. and these are swing top bottles too with like, like a cork on top, you know. Yep. <laughs> so until really the technology came along, gotcha. uh, bottled beer was expensive. Yeah. You know, it was a luxury item.
0: Dang, that's interesting. And I know like, I mean, being that many of the like many huge breweries from Milwaukee ended up being nation dominators, not just Wisconsin dominators. Yeah, but like uh, like Pabst had a big influence on pushing out small. breweries, Sure. Right? Like,
1: well, it's a that story is more complicated than you know what it what's usually told. Sure. So if you look at like Pabst um, specifically, like in Oshkosh, so. Uh, in the 1880s Pabst starts moving into Oshkosh they build a, a facility there a bottling plant in Oshkosh wow. where they're bottling they're shipping beer up by keg from Milwaukee
0: is the building still there
1: yeah actually it is
0: which one is it
1: um it's over on Division Street in Oshkosh it's a like a condominium okay. uh, a business condominium type situation okay. now it's wow. a beautiful building wow Pap okay so you're, I'm gonna go down all these side roads just so- <laughs> yeah I like it um Pabst would do this in towns where there was a a good beer market you know they would go in there and go okay we're going to take advantage of the fact there's a lot of people drinking here that are drinking a lot of beer so they would build these bottling houses the they were just branch offices of pabst and they would try to make the building look sort of like the brewery in milwaukee did you know just like downscale versions of that big milwaukee (laughs) brewery so they did that in oshkosh and initially they had a pretty good amount of success Mm. but then uh In 1894, three Oshkosh breweries merged, the Horn and Schwalm Brooklyn Brewery, which was on the south side of town, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the Glass Brewery, which was also on the south side of town, and then Lorenz Kinzel's Gambrinus Brewery, which is on the uh, northeast side of Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. They merge, and they just kick ass. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's all these breweries that are operating out of Oshkosh. There's the Moreland Brewery out of Cincinnati, Schlitz, Miller, Pabst. Mm -hmm. Any kind of
0: out oh, of Milwaukee, you mean
1: yeah. Okay. Well, they're in Oshkosh. Oh, they right. all build some sort of facility in Oshkosh to bring their beer up, bottle it, whatever, distribute it out of there. Um, so there's all these big breweries, you know, trying to get in on that market. Yeah. Um, but then the Oshkosh Brewing Company really goes to town. They start buying up saloons in, mm. in Oshkosh, and by you know 1900, they've basically pushed all these large breweries out. Wow. I mean these breweries the the larger breweries like Schlitz Schlitz hung around until 1918 but then they finally gave up too. Okay. Uh you know they are around but they're not they're not doing anything.
0: Wow. That's intense. Yeah. And um I think I saw what was that on your stuff? There was like an old ad for Oshkosh beer. I don't think it was someone else posted it I think. Yeah
1: that uh I mean the Oshkosh Brewing Company was became a really well known Wisconsin brewery and yeah. like memorabilia from that brewery now. Yeah. Is, Gets a top dollar, yeah. You know, so th- there's a lot. a lot of that kind of stuff floating around.
0: Dang. So they must have been really like uh, keen or um, just really adept at, at branding and well, they were ruthless. Sure.
1: <laughs> so what they would do is, you know, they they would buy saloons in Oshkosh mm-hmm. and they would corner the market on beer. Mm. So here's an example. So there was a, there was if you're ever in Oshkosh on 9th and Ohio. There's Dee Dee's barbecue used mm-hmm. to be the old Ohio street station bar. That was a saloon run by a guy named Joseph Neagle. So Neagle had tied his saloon to the Oshkosh Brewing Company. He had a deal with them where if, if the Oshkosh Brewing Company would pay for the heat for his saloon,
0: that's across from Neagle's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So he, they would pay for Joseph Neagle's heat and in return. He'd serve only uh, the Oshkosh Brewing Company's beer. Wow. Well, that wasn't good enough for the oshkosh brewing company so they bought the lot next door and built their own saloon and start going head to head with this guy they've been in business with for you know 15 years at this point wow uh and to make matters worse they put his cousin his cousin alois neagle into that bar as the saloon keeper that's why that's called neagles now
0: really yeah wow that is very ruthless (laughs) oh and they did this all over wow all across
1: the state uh just no they were uh all over all over i mean they were selling beer throughout winnebago county and they were starting to branch out Mm -hmm. um i mean they were going you know as far north as rhinelander and stuff like that right uh they didn't really go too far south they were into fond du lac a bit but mostly they were concentrating on the north
0: okay interesting wow um there's a lot of a lot of directions we could go there (laughs) Uh, one one question that popped out to me was what makes was anything like this happening that you know of in Green Bay, Appleton or like what made Oshkosh so this such this hub, you know? Well, I mean, you had the similar thing happening in Green Bay.
1: Um where there was uh a lot of breweries, you know, that launched um but I you know, the Ra Brewing Company of Green Bay ended up coming to dominate Green okay. Bay. Not to quite the extent that the Oshkosh Brewing Company did in in Oshkosh. Appleton's a different story. Like Appleton, um, you know, Appleton has this long uh, (laughs) history with people that were opposed to liquor of any sort. Really? Yeah, there was a strong temperance movement in Appleton. And that kind of thwarted, to a certain extent, what happened here as far as beer-wise. There were breweries in Appleton. There was two major ones.
0: Do you have any theories on why that is? is
1: um it the university? Or? It, it could be that. You know, it all tends to be, like, who settles there. The sure. same thing happened in Nina. Really? Like, Nina had this—Nina voted itself dry. Really? Yeah, before Prohibition. Wow. Yeah, 1970-17. Nina voted itself completely dry. Wow. And then the next year, it turned around and decided they needed to be wet again. So, oh. they, but yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, there's these pockets around Wisconsin, and they tend to be um, non-urban areas where where these prohibitionists really kind of uh, got hold.
0: Was it a certain like? type of European settlers. I mean, typically,
1: they were Protestants,
0: you know. um,
1: And so it wasn't European settlers that were really driving it at that point. So, you know, the first people to come into Winnebago County were were Yankees, you know, people from New York, Vermont, New Englanders. Um, And those people were not pro-alcohol. You know, they were all, they had a pretty strong anti-alcohol sentiment about them. So in towns like, and you see that in Nina, like the Kimberleys, uh, they were not friendly to anything having to do with beer. Wow! Um, so it, where those people tended to really uh, hold power, there was always a big conflict. Okay. Where Oshkosh is different is that you had such a huge influx of German immigrants yeah. that they, within time, <laughs> basically kind of were in the roost to a certain extent became the culture and you were never going to stop. They were not going to give up that beer culture, right? You know, so they came here and they replicated exactly what they had been doing in Germany. Okay. You know, and yep. so all these breweries in Winnebago County, you know, prior to 1900, they're all started by German immigrants. Wow. You know? All of them. That's really actually, cool. I, I take that back. There's one case, uh, in Menasha where a brewery had a mix of an immigrant and a, and an American born uh, really? individual. Yeah.
0: Was it, Oh, well, I guess you would have no idea. Like if it was, like, how creative it was, or what type of beer they served, or
1: no, that's the problem. So okay, that that brewery in Menasha which ended up becoming eventually the Menasha Brewing Company, mm-hmm. which uh, this is a, that's a good story itself. Closed uh, at Prohibition. Uh, um, we can get into that later, maybe. But uh, yeah. so that was a started by a, a guy from, um, yeah, he was from New York originally, and an Irishman. Interesting. Um, and, uh, what's funny is like, so I have, uh, you know, records from that early, th- that brewery started in, um, 1850 and I have records from that period and you look in the brewery. So there's 11 men living in the brewery. All but one of them is from Ireland, an immigrant from Ireland. Okay. You know, wow. that brewery ended up, uh. a a German immigrant from Oshkosh bought into that brewery and ended up taking that brewery over. So they ended up going back to lager beer and things like that. But actually, you know, initially I have no idea what they were brewing. Sure. It's, it's funny when you go back that far, people don't really talk too much about what the beer is. It's just beer.
0: Right. Yeah. It gets broad. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Before, um, before we dive, well, before we dive too deep into history, we kind of already have, but, What, like, how do you find these records? Like, where are they? In the library? Like, what's the... No,
1: I mean, there's no one place. Um, I try to... So, old newspapers can be good to a certain extent, but you can't trust them. Sure the uh, the one thing you can never trust is anything a brewer says sure all brewers are are liars <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I mean not liars, but right. they tend to aggrandize what they're doing, and they t- tend to speak of it in terms that aren't necessarily always accurate, you know sure so you always got to take that with a grain of salt, but what I really yeah. like to do is get into old court records, okay. old land records um One okay. thing that's just been a boon to me is how fiscally irresponsible so many of these guys are, yeah. <laughs> So they end up in court, you know, and I'm able to find some of these old records nice. and it tells you everything about the brewery, like their inventories, which, wow. which from there you can really, you know, backwards engineer out. and figure out what, what they're doing there. Wow. So that's, that's the kind of stuff I'd like to rely on.
0: What, uh, like what of that data becomes useful to you? Like what, what do you really kind of geek out on and just dive deep? You know? Well,
1: I've got a little problem with research and I tend to like, uh, go further than I get more stuff to, than I can ever right. possibly use just because right. I like to research, yep. you know, I just really like doing that. And, and what happens is like, as you start digging into the, this, you start to feel like you kind of know these people yeah. and you just want to learn more and more about them, you know? And then at some point you just gotta go, okay, that's it. I gotta stop. Yeah. But like I said, the, what I really like best is court records. Mm-hmm. Cause if you can get transcripts from a court trial and stuff like that, you know, these people are under oath, uh, Mm -hmm. ostensibly they're telling the truth you can get a better sense of of what they're what they're really up to that's cool
0: so like how did you approach the history like did you break it down by year like what what was the uh... yeah
1: i wanted to do this so i wrote a book uh in 2012 um co-authored a book in 2012 uh named the breweries of oshkosh and that was just about oshkosh and what we did with that book is we just singled out every brewery and told its story Mm. you know so it's a Here's the, what happened at this brewery, this brewery, this brewery. I didn't want to do that with this book. I wanted to make this more of a story because mm-hmm. what happens here, these breweries are, you know, all interrelated. Not that they're have financially interrelated, but what they're doing all impacts each other. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to present this more as a story. So this actually starts in 1849 and tells the story of what happened here, beer wise, and in in that in that time frame. Uh, tells what happened at each of the breweries as well but it's a it's a ongoing story cool how
0: what's the most so like we do biking brewery tours in ash yeah yeah um that's was, cool thank you <laughs> when i found out basically what happened is um i realized that bare bones was on the trail the way wash and i was like isn't fox river on the trail too yeah and then um someone had told me I should check out fifth ward. When I looked it up, it's like two miles off the trail, like a mile off the trail. And yeah.
1: Now like, it's, I think even less because they've extended the that down. So, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I was like, wow, this needs to be done. Oh, you it's know? great. I mean, I, I, I'm on that trail all the time. Go between those. breweries. Oh it, It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the point, the point is, is there is, there's a community around, around the beer, around the breweries. Um, and, like, what is recognizable to the general population, like, to me, who just knows the breweries through hosting oh, a dozen biking brewery tours? Like, what what connections would you be able to be like, hey, you know this? And I'd be like, yeah, I know that. And then to the history, like, to the past. It's, or is it not that simple, I guess?
1: No. I mean, it's constant. There's mm-hmm. tons of stuff. There's tons of – that's really part of why I wanted to do this book mm-hmm. is, like, make people aware to whatever degree I'm able to (laughs) reach people with this uh, of just how similar what's happening now bears a relation to, you know, the history of brewing here. Um, So, I mean, you look at the de facto model right now is it's a small brewery. Mm -hmm. They're using for the most part, traditional ingredients, brewing in a traditional manner and selling that beer directly to the public right out of their tap rooms. Mm-hmm. that is exactly what was happening in in oshkosh and menasha and nina and appleton from the 1850s up until like the 1880s that's mm-hmm. exactly the model Wow. you know so i i I and, I and i see this with beers all the time too so let's just the those earlier breweries they were brewing what is lager beer so lager beer is a bottom fermenting yeast um lager beer is created from a bottom fermenting yeast. Mm. It ferments cold. Okay. These breweries are mostly producing ale. Okay, There is some lager brewing, so that's a difference there. But they're bringing back styles that haven't been brewed here since, like, uh, so Fifth Ward, for example. They're doing a, a, a series of these berliner weiss beers essentially they don't call them that because nobody knows what a berliner weiss is but that's really what they are uh and then they're fruiting them it's a sour a tart beer it's not really sour Sours
0: are my absolute favorite
1: yeah so they're brewing that and you know in winnebago County, in oshkosh particular Mm. in the 1870s there were three breweries that did nothing but make sour beer really yeah you know and it's like that's the kind of stuff that people don't realize that you know this stuff seems like oh gosh this is
0: all so new there's nothing new yeah (laughs) It's, it's all happened that's crazy Nothing new under the sun. I know. Um, dang. So, like historically, um, do you like do you see this as like a history repeats itself kind of a thing? And if you do, what comes next, uh, well, let's hope it's not too repetitive. Because what <laughs> happens next is
1: that um, some breweries grow large mm-hmm. and they grow predatory mm-hmm. and they try to push out all the competition. Okay, uh, I for the foreseeable future I don't see that happening. Yeah. These breweries that are existing now are going to have their own set of challenges that's mm-hmm. going to be unique to this period and I think they're coming up on that period right now. Mm-hmm. Where I mean so so first of all let's at that at back then, you know, these breweries were all small like they are now, mm-hmm. but they were coming they were growing some were growing larger and they were intent on getting these small producers out of the market. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen with these guys, you know that are existing here mm-hmm. right now. The the problem they're gonna have is that they came up in an atmosphere where there were still these national breweries you know like Budweiser and AB InBev who's the owner of Budweiser has been buying up craft breweries all over yeah their purpose now their aim and it's their stated aim is Mm -hmm. to like take over tap lines in bars so Mm -hmm. you know you go into a bar now and you might see uh, Goose Island ten barrel uh, Golden Road, they're all owned by AB InBev. They're not three different breweries. Right. It's all under that same umbrella. Right. So for these people to get their beer to market, if, if they wanna grow in that direction, is gonna become increasingly difficult. It's already tough. For sure. What, what where they have the uh, advantage is that most of them aren't dependent on selling in bars. Mm-hmm. They're more dependent on selling the beer directly out of their tap room. Right. That's where the profits are better. and. So I think I think the challenge for them at this point is going to be how to get more people into these tap rooms, get more people introduced to 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 the sort of beers they're making, you know, and that's that's going to be tough, especially, uh, you know, over the past, like, three years in particular, you've seen uh, craft brewing change quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. So are you familiar with the hazy IPA? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's like a movement almost. Yeah. So you've
1: got that and then you've got things like these. Uh some people call them pastry stouts some people call them dessert stouts mm-hmm. there are these beers that are use all these adjuncts that non-traditional ingredients which mm-hmm. there's nothing really wrong with that but it's moving away from beer flavor and it's just moving towards people that want some sort of taste experience right well those people will not be loyal to your brewery long term you yeah. know it might be Pastry Stouts this week, next week they're going to be looking for cocktails. And most of these places can't do cocktails. Right. You know, so that's the challenge
0: for for them coming up. Is that just a known fact about like this? People basically the people that love the taste experience are flakes to an extent. Hey, you know, and you know, a lot
1: of this has been uh, a lot of the brewers have played right into the hands of that, you know, Mm -hmm. because it it creates a buzz. You know, Mm -hmm. I've got this beer that's made with, you know, whatever. Cookies, mm-hmm. <laughs> you name it, whatever <laughs> yeah. you want. Pretzels. Yeah. You know, it, just all this different stuff. And, you know, it gets people interested. It gets people excited. Mm-hmm. I think the time where people are going to continue to be excited about that is coming to the to an end really quickly. Gotcha. So I think where they need to start trans and, you know, I'm bloviating here. It's like <laughs> mm-hmm. they each have businesses to run. They know how to run their business. But I think what, what these breweries really are going to need to do is get people uh, educated about their story and the beer they're making and give them a reason to really kind of be dedicated to that brewery and not just be
0: out searching for something they can put on untapped that somebody else hasn't had yet yeah that's cool literally just had a conversation with a brewery around here about that today oh really appleton yeah just like they were saying it's like it's music to their ears when they walk in and everyone wants their flagship because that's how they know that they're not the flavor of the week. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I you know, that's
1: so important. I, I think what you know, things have grown so quickly and, and it all happens so fast. I think a lot of these brewers really are just having a hard time getting their feet on the ground and how to adjust to the market and everything like that. But I think where it's gonna have to go is these breweries are gonna have to carve out an identity for themselves that are unique to them mm-hmm. and something that they can get people to understand. And make them committed customers where that's where I want to go. You know, that's what didn't you aren't you supposed to start
0: this with a question?
1: Yeah, we yeah, we can put <laughs> that in there. I,
0: what? Yeah. What's your question of the day? OK, well, Sorry. it just made me think of it because yeah. this is what we're talking about.
1: So one thing I like to ask people all the time is like, OK, why do you why do you like to drink at a brewery's tap room? You know, people that are, are going out of their way to drink at Brewery At a specific rooms. yeah, like,
0: or, or a few, maybe. They yeah, a few. I mean, because, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, most people aren't, like, you know, stuck on just one place. Right. They'll, they'll go to right. all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why? You know, why are you going there
0: instead of going to a tavern or, a, you know, a bar that you've been to before? Okay, and that's the question of the day, friends. That's the question. So <laughs> why do you choose, especially if you're into beer, um, but really anybody, why do you choose to go to a Brewery tap room? And that, that's a good question. Yeah um, call me out there. No, <laughs> it just made me think of it. Cause you no, know, no, I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, what, so what you're describing is essentially like, um, what I've been learning it's, a, and, and this is through like mentors and like, um, social media influencers, like Gary V. if you've ever heard of oh, that I've guy, him, yeah. but, um, that's kind of like the prevailing knowledge of like how anyone's going to separate themselves using the internet. It almost is going back to that. Like, um, it, the, just like the hometown reputation, it's almost like, even though the internet's at scale and it's connecting us to everyone, it's creating these little micro oh, totally. communities where all of a sudden everyone in town knows who you are and what you've done and when yeah. you're not showing up to work and when you're drunk exactly. on the job exactly. and you know what I mean? Yeah. So that leads me to the question, what do, like, with your, you have a great understanding of, of where this is headed and like, I really like your predictions, what, like, what do you do as your full time, because I know you have a full time job. Uh, I'm in
1: printing. Printing, okay. <laughs> yeah. wow. I do uh, layouts for, uh, uh, so I work for, the company is LSC. Okay. Uh, I've heard LSC Communications. Yeah, we used to be Bonta and then we were okay. R. Donnelly and we almost became Quad and uh, oh, it's one wow. of those corporate things, So. Yep.
0: but it's LSC now, yeah. Okay, interesting. Where, do, where, where does that prediction come from? Like, what tells you that? I just, okay, so here, here's
1: the thing. What's happened over the past, I, I want to say three to four years, it started kind of with hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. And I, I have no problem with those beers. I mean, I think that's a totally legitimate style. But it seemed to lead into these other things where breweries started making beers that were, had less and less to do with beer flavor. And had something had more and more to do with a culinary experience, like you know, specific flavor kind of thing. Cinnamon, coriander. Exactly, and 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 most of these are very. um, It's easy, you know. This is like an easy way to appeal. It's lowest common denominator. Somebody that that doesn't care about beer, but they can get a stout in their hand that tastes like a Ho Ho or you know Twinkie. Then that's going to appeal to them, but that person doesn't give a shit about your brewery. I can tell you, they don't care, you know, and, and two weeks from now when spiked seltzer is the big thing, that's (laughs) what they're going to be drinking. They're not going to care about your beer.
0: You're on the trends, man.
1: Well, maybe (laughs) I mean the really hard thing, if you're a brewer is to educate people, Mm -hmm. you know, to educate them about flavor. And some breweries have have, have started making an effort in that direction. Mm -hmm. I think that's where things have to go. Yeah, because if you can't get people to understand what you're doing, and you can't express to them, uh, okay. So every brewery, I think. Yeah. Okay. Here I am, I'm. Just gonna pontificate. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Every brewery ought to have like a handful of beers that that who's ever brewing is especially passionate about. Mm-hmm. That they want to brew again and again and just dial that flavor in. Mm-hmm. And they ought to be able to communicate what that style or what that type of beer is to to their audience, yeah. and then make them understand and share their passion for it. If right. you can get uh, uh, an, you know, your customers to appreciate yeah. it on that level. Even a couple hundred people. They're not gonna leave you. you mm-hmm. know, they'll hang with you and, and they'll, they'll learn with you. And, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, that, that's the thing. These are all super small businesses. Mm-hmm. They got 100 plates spinning in the air at any one yep. time. And to, to drill down on some of this stuff is, is probably more time consuming than a lot of them have time for.
0: For sure, dang. You, you're obviously super in tune with this stuff, which um, I think is is really cool. Um, See, like, my wife would just say I'm obsessed. I'm <laughs> <nuts>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, though. Like, obsession. Like, you're, yeah. If you're not obsessed, to a degree, you're half pregnant, and then, you know what I mean? And then what are you? Yeah. You know? Well, I
1: love it. I mean, I, I, I grew up as a kid drinking beer, and I grew up in a German family, and so mm-hmm. beer was always around. I've always been into beer. And so, to me, it's just, like, part of the thing what happened with the blog when I started that blog well there's two things I want to go back a little bit like you said about like how the internet although it goes everywhere tends to find these small audiences well when I started blogging you know there were a lot of blogs that were national but to me I was like you know this should be local it should Mm -hmm. always be just like local so I've never tried to I always try to like focus on Mm -hmm. the people that were around drinking around me, you know, mm-hmm. like that I'd see at bars and stuff and, and and tell the story of what happened in our area and what happened with our breweries and stuff like yeah. that. Because I thought that's that's more important than what New Belgium is doing, you yeah. know, or, or what, you know, some brewery in California is doing. For sure. You know, we have the local thing and we've got a super rich history, so sure. it should all be part of it. Um, but, you know, like when when I totally lost my train of thought, huh? well, you had two <laughs> things um,
0: yeah, you get me too like worked up here. I'm like well, some, you were <laughs> talking about how basically I think you were going into how you got started because you're saying you were like you drank beer as a kid, german family yeah and,
1: and so that led into all that and and um so I, a lot of people that are in this area now and i when I'm saying this area, i'm talking like from Fond du Lac up to Appleton. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of the same experiences, you know, this German drinking culture that we may not even recognize it as German because just like a fish doesn't realize what water is. (laughs) This is what's all around us, you know? Mm -hmm. So the way you see people approaching, you you know, you go to Oshkosh and uh, they're drinking beer in these, in these tap rooms at at noon, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, if you go, down to Southern Illinois, people don't do that. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a different thing here. Yep. I had a funny thing happen recently. I was, so a couple weeks ago, I gave a talk at the Oshkosh Public Library cool. about a um, brewer in Oshkosh who had recently passed away. Uh-huh. So somebody online saw this, and as part of this talk, uh, Jody Cleveland, the brewer at Bare Bones Brewery, uh, made a beer from a recipe that I had gotten from this, this Oshkosh brewer. Wow. Uh, so that was going to be part of the talk. At the end, we were going to serve this beer, you know. And somebody saw this online, and this guy gets a hold of me and says, "Actually, it was a woman." Uh, gets a hold of me and says, "So you're really going to have beer at the library?" And I was like, "Yeah,
0: this, <laughs> this is Oshkosh. <laughs> we right. have beer at the library. That's Celebrate. How, that's how it works. You Gross. Know? Yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Um, yeah, it is really prevalent. The whole culture is yeah. is very much so." Um, also want to make the connection rye herzer i'm fry Muth. oh there you go so, yeah r-e-i R- <laughs> yeah the rye um so your family probably came from B- bavaria probably yeah yeah i think it's just outside of somewhere just in or just outside of poland oh, oh that's the north then okay okay yeah are you from bavaria or yeah my family lineage? came on both sides came from bavaria i mean this is okay. generations ago like, right hundreds yeah. of years yeah, yeah. um that's cool that you did that talk at the library. I was actually, um, I was going to say, have you considered speaking engagements? I do quite a bit of it. Yeah. yeah. Do you do them at the breweries? Um, I haven't talked at to
1: breweries too much. I, I, it's a little weird, you know, uh, talking in places where people have come there to drink beer. Because <laughs> <Is> it? <laughs> it's just, you know, oh, because they're, they're there, there to there party, you? you know. Right. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But I have talked in breweries. Um, I gave a talk uh, earlier this year at Oblie, was about the so Oblio was is a bar in Oshkosh that has this rich history. It's incredible.
0: That it's so a like Pabst Tapa.
1: That was a Schlitz beer. Schlitz, hall. yeah, Schlitz owned that okay. building from eighteen ninety six until uh, no eighteen. There's only been like four until, owners yeah. since, like three owners since Schlitz. Yeah, yeah, Schlitz sold it in seventy two, I think, finally. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But um, so I I I spoke there. Okay. Uh, which was a lot of fun because that was a pretty. The crowd was there drinking schlitz, and yep. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, I, I do a fair amount of talking. Um, I've got a talk coming up in um, August 11th, 17th, I think it's the 17th, August 17th at the Oshkosh Public Museum about the history of prohibition in Oshkosh, okay, which is a great story. I mean, prohibition in this area was just nuts, like okay, so I kind of alluded to this earlier, there's a brewery in. Uh, Menasha, the Menasha Brewing Company. Yep. So it. You said they closed
0: right when they closed at
1: Prohibition starts. You know. Closed. Yeah, closed, <laughs> and uh, so they get one night. You know, this is the middle of Prohibition. Yeah. The year escapes me offhand, but um, I one think night,
0: 1917, or is well, it Prohibition like started in 1920 and oh, uh, oh, ended okay. in 1933. Okay. So
1: this happened towards the end. So I'm thinking this is like 1928, 1929. All mm-hmm. of a sudden. Huge explosion at the brewery, you know, and of course they're in there. They're making moonshine at the brewery Uh, and federal agents come in and they bust them all and everyone claims ignorance. They have no idea who did it. You know, Um, when I was digging into that story, I went through all the old land records and they're doing this thing with the deeds where they're they're transferring deeds just like. Days apart, just to try to confuse the title line to see who owns the brewery. Okay. <laughs> so, nobody's claiming ownership. You yeah. know, that finally boils down to these two guys who supposedly own the brewery don't actually exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. So, uh, wow. they get, and then they get busted again like a year later for the Dang. same thing. Um, and the two fake guys? No, it's the oh, family that okay. actually did own it. They, okay. you know, gave up with the, 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 obfuscation with That's the true, deeds they just yeah. straight out did it um, and, and then when prohibition ends they think well we'll start a brewery we'll, go, oh, we'll launch the we'll open the brewery again and the feds like say you're not you're not going to get a license <laughs> you know? oh, okay. you're done for so Dang. but I mean the story of prohibition in, in Winnebago County is incredible yeah. I mean there were more breweries during prohibition in Winnebago County than there were in the years before prohibition Really? I mean, there were these wildcat breweries that went up all over the county Really. Uh, and some of them are, are big, you know, they'll they have names. No, because, I yeah. mean, they're totally illegal. No brand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, like some of these places have their own bottling lines. They're legitimate breweries. These right. aren't just like people in their basement. Well, sometimes it's people in their basement, yeah. but uh, some of these places are big. You know, they're they're They get busted. They get busted and they'll have like 600 barrels of beer on hand,
0: you wow. know? Yeah. It's, what, what so it was always federal agents that was busting doing yeah the there busting? was a really in so like state state there were state prohibition oh,
1: agents okay. but uh they were uh, so they were state prohibition agents but they were tied to the federal government as well okay um it's this weird kind of arrangement you know where you have a federal law but then it's enforced locally right um but the thing is like in winnebago county especially in in oshkosh to a greater degree than in other. well Menasha was much the same so the local police would not enforce it they just refused to yeah Um, they didn't care you know so these federal prohibition agents or sometimes state prohibition agents would come into Oshkosh or Menasha. they wouldn't tell the police they're coming you know the locals because the when they they did this happened a few times in Oshkosh early on they'd tell the local police you know we're gonna come up there we want some support well, the local police would turn around and tell the saloon owners they're coming. Yeah. So they'd go to these places that they knew were speakeasies. Right. And they'd be boarded up, closed up, you know, tight. Wow. So they quit doing that, and they would sneak into town. And, you know, they'd come in on a train. They'd have, like, a car waiting for them, and then uh-huh. they'd go off. Yeah. Um, and it, this happened again and again in Oshkosh where they'd they'd come into town in these cars, and as soon as someone got busted, all these saloon owners were, like, Calling up the next guy. Shut down. They're here. They're, yeah. they're
0: they're they're coming. You know. Wow, the British are coming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so Wisconsin in prohibition to beer is like California to weed. Like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's very didn't, similar. It did care. <laughs> oh, it's totally. It's it's <laughs> hands it's, off.
1: I I think about that a lot. Like, I mean, what you see happening, you know, with with marijuana laws mm-hmm. now. Uh, why the fact that we don't learn that prohibition doesn't work is just ridiculous right
0: like you said literally more breweries popped up during the black market and interestingly enough um another point you alluded to um that that the the explosion that happened probably wouldn't have happened if there was no prohibition by the way but um they decided isn't that like what made like spirits more popular was prohibition that was a big part of it because there's, like, all this stuff that related to
1: Prohibition. It, it was such a huge mistake, and it was so detrimental to, to communities. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Twelve it, neighborhood breweries making their own. And, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they were kind of closed before this happened. Yeah,
1: it had winnowed down at that point. Still. But So as soon as, you know, Prohibition comes on, mm-hmm. you've got all these wildcat breweries that spring up. And they're not, you know, the average strength of a beer before Prohibition was about 4%. Maybe just a bit over four percent. So mm-hmm. these are low alcohol beers. These guys during Prohibition, they're making strong beer. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking beers that are six, seven percent, because people want they they want the illicit product. And not only that, it, it like there's always been issues, you know, with underage drinking in these communities. Yep. It exploded during Prohibition because all oh. of a sudden it was this very hip thing to do. You yeah. know, to have a, they called it have a hip on the or have a flask on the hip. So you've got these young people that are just out there drinking moonshine and it's just wreaking havoc, you know, in these cities. Mm -hmm. It it just had so many detrimental consequences that nobody had anticipated uh,
0: prior to it going down. It's insane. Like you almost you almost you wouldn't expect it like like you kind of understand. I mean, when you can logically deduce and look at history, you can say like, oh, it really makes sense why it wreaks so much havoc. But like. I mean, what I'm saying is, like, I, I get the Puritan idea, but it's, it's almost beautiful that, like, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah I think so,
1: too. Yeah. And, you know, and actually, there's a lot of parallels between, uh, you know, what was happening then and what was happening now. Because the people that really pushed these, this through for Prohibition, mm-hmm. they were, they didn't like all these German immigrants. They were mm. pro- opposed to this massive wave of European immigration happening here. Sure. And this was one way to keep these people in check, they thought. Yeah. You know, and it exploded in their face. Yep. I mean, if you look at what happens with the enforcement of marijuana laws now too, usually the people that are getting singled out are the the
0: most vulnerable communities. Yep. You know,
1: it's the same sort of deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you go back to the history, it is definitely like I think I think it's Nixon was like very open about who the yeah. who the marijuana laws were targeting. Right. And then there's the argument of just that like there were so many jobs that were like those plates in the air from the breweries you we were talking about before, there were just so many jobs in the enforcement of prohibition. It was like, let's just like recycle them in a different way.
1: I always, so there was a weird thing that happened during prohibition. A lot of the local breweries, this happened at the Walter brothers brewery in Menasha and at the Oshkosh brewing company. They started making malt extract specifically for people that were making beer. So, yeah it's kind of interesting at one point there was this really large Wildcat Brewery operating in Oshkosh and I've got the brewery records from the Oshkosh Brewing Company during this period that year leading up to that Wildcat Brewery getting busted they're selling this what's essentially wort. it's what's the first mm-hmm. base ingredient of beer mm-hmm. um, they're selling just tons <laughs> And then that brewery gets that Wildcat Brewery gets busted. The next year, the sales just drop right off. So you know what they're doing? They're they're creating like the base ingredients for these Wildcat breweries. But at the same time, you got to wonder how those guys felt because here they here for years. You know they're here making beer, and now they have to supply all these guys that are
0: bootleggers essentially. You know? Right? Yeah. No one like I mean, no one wants to do things. I mean, a certain type of people want to live in the dark. You know, most people don't prefer to to go that direction unless their hand is forced or yeah. Um, it's it, what, what's also a shame to me. And this is such just like, a, this is coming from a place of just enjoying history and old, old brands and stuff, um, memorabilia, if you will. Yeah. But how many, how many breweries, how many like that are local to Northeast Wisconsin would still be, oshkosh brewery established 1888 yeah. if prohibition had never happened you it's hard to mean? say
1: i mean there's a lot that occurred outside of prohibition that For caused sure. that consolidation too and one of the main things is um you know the way national breweries like miller schlitz Paps, um budweiser the way they started advertising particularly in the late 50s onward <coughs> led people to believe that their local beers weren't as good so you know in in 1970 if you were gonna buy uh, a bottle or you're gonna buy a six pack of budweiser you're gonna pay about a 50 cents to a dollar more in that money uh Mm -hmm. than you would for something from the oshkosh brewing company or from the people's brewing company Mm -hmm. so this perception developed that these locally made beers weren't as good as these national beers that the people were seeing on television all the time and had all this heavy marketing behind it. Right. Well, what's interesting about that is like I've got, so these local breweries, particularly like the Oshkosh Brewing Company and Peoples, they would send their beer to the Siebel Institute in Chicago. So, this was a a a place where they would test beers. They had um, trained beer tasters. They would do a chemical analysis on all the beers see all the dissolved oxygen. Mm-hmm. And when you see the reports that come back on both of those beers, they're raving about them. These guys, I mean these guys are no more about beer than, you know, right. anybody running around. Right. And the, the reports they send back on these beers these are exceptional beers, you know, yep. but the perception locally, because you know, it's a cheaper beer, it's, it's has really no heavy duty marketing behind it yep. is that these aren't as good. And so the sales start to fall off. But then what those large breweries do is once that begins happening, then they start hitting these markets with budget brands. Uh-huh. So that's when you see old Milwaukee come in, gotcha. uh, red, white, and blue from Pabst. Yep. And so now it's a nationally distributed beer. That's selling at the same price as the local beer
0: yeah. and and that knocks them off now okay. so the economics yeah it's well just the economic like the not economics like macro but microeconomics yeah that exactly is,
1: yeah. Gotcha. but that that's said too there was there's still some important things that happened uh, at least I can you know in Oshkosh where so you know you do have a couple breweries that made it through point mm-hmm. uh, and line and kugels in mm-hmm. Chippewa Falls uh, Potosi made it longer than some and now that's back in a mm-hmm. kind of different form but yeah. what happened in oshkosh is like so the oshkosh brewing company was sold to david Eline, who was uh part of the Eline family that owned schlitz
0: oh, okay
1: so when as soon as that happened people in oshkosh are like okay this isn't a local brewery anymore and the fortunes of that brewery just rapidly go downhill in 1970, People's Brewing is sold to a, a group of businessmen from Milwaukee. Okay. And the same thing happens. People say, this isn't a local brewery anymore. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that brewery, People's might have survived, but the guys that bought it took, wanted to make it into a nationally distributed brewery. Sure. They took out so much debt that within two years, they couldn't service the debt, and that, that okay. killed them. But I, I think if there was one brewery in this area that would have outlasted anybody, it would, would have probably been People's okay i mean that they had such people's people's brewing Peebles, company of oshkosh okay. yeah I was on the south side of oshkosh so all right let me back up yeah way back yeah <laughs> so i mentioned earlier about the oshkosh brewing company how they cornered the market in oshkosh yeah. really, well the saloon keepers in oshkosh like this neagle guy i was telling you about yep. they're getting super pissed about this because right. this brewery is just telling them what they can cannot do they're setting the price on beer so they get together they all get together and they decide they're gonna launch their own brewery. They really? call it the People's Brewing Company. It opens in nineteen thirteen and they build it right across the street from the Oshkosh Brewing Company. So they're rubbing wow. their nose in the whole deal. Yeah. And that brewery just from nineteen thirteen until nineteen seventy focused almost exclusively on Oshkosh. Wow. And they did great. Yeah. You know, from like nineteen uh, from nineteen thirty-three to nineteen fifty-six, they grow by two hundred percent. Just Continual growth, wow. you know, and they're only selling their beer in Oshkosh. Yep, yeah. So that's how that's how big the,
0: that's how big the culture is. You it, know, it's
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like if you look in Oshkosh in, um, like, nineteen fifty-six. Yeah, there's over a hundred thousand barrels of beer being brewed just in the city of Oshkosh, wow. and almost all of it's being consumed there.
0: Wow, it's crazy. That is insane. Yeah. Um, my uncle just retired from k distributing which is like yeah it's I up in green bay Coors, right yeah 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 De and uh he's just mo- like marveling at the fact that this entire warehouse is like in- insanely huge it's a 90 day supply for this area really yeah it just moves that fast there's a big one in oshkosh
1: lee beverage that is yeah. the same way it's a yeah. huge refrigerated warehouse and it's just you walk in there, it's like, oh my God! Yeah, who's drinking all this? Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's up? Yeah,
0: that's cool. So, obviously, um, there's so many cool stories. That's awesome to hear. i I'm, I'm. This has been awesome. Um, well, I wish I could talk a little bit. I mean, I, I,
1: not to interrupt you, but I no. wish I could talk a little bit more about Appleton, but I don't know Appleton as well. Yeah. Uh, Nita Menasha, I know real well. Uh, Oshkosh. But I haven't really I've I've done some research on Appleton and I know a a guy in Appleton that does a lot of research on it. So he feeds me stuff. But um, does he do anything as publicly as you do? Well, what I did is he he had he's been collecting and digging into Appleton Brewing Company history forever. So Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, I said, why don't you write an article and I'll put it on my blog because then it's out there, you know, Mm -hmm. and it'll it'll be there for as long as the Internet doesn't explode
0: right cool. <laughs>
1: and uh, so he wrote a really long article about cool. the Appleton so if you go into Oshkosh beer blog just put in Appleton beer history or Appleton Brewing Company and the whole thing will unfold before you cool appleton has really got a pretty good. interesting history like so you know like I said there were a lot of uh, temperance folk in Appleton and they didn't I don't think they got their first brewery until late 18-
0: temperance means people opposed to alcohol yeah yeah, yeah.
1: they uh, basically prohibition mm-hmm. so they don't want alcohol mm-hmm. being sold um, so th- there was a brewery in Manasha that is just sending their beer right into Appleton because there's nobody up there making beer. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I've got these newspaper articles from um, Appleton from, from the early 1850s, and they're complaining about this
0: terrible brewery in Manasha that keeps ruining our young people, you oh. know, the, the beer it's sending up here. Yeah. Who um, – was it a Post? Was it, is Post Crescent that old? What's the –
1: It was – I think that at that point it was the Post. I think that the Crescent Post. was another paper and they merged. Oh. I'm gotcha. not exactly that sure about sense. that, but I think it was the Alton Post. Okay.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So how did you get into like so you said you drank beer as a as yeah, a Yeah, I mean I I grew up in a very uh uh
1: <laughs> so you know where I grew up, beer was everywhere, mm-hmm. and it, you, I had, when as a kid, I could have beer, a glass of beer with my meals. You know, okay. it wasn't a thing; it wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a forbidden deal. You know, yeah. I mean, if I wanted a little glass of beer, I could get a little glass of beer. It wasn't yeah. a problem. Do you have kids? No, I don't. Oh, no. But, ask. <laughs> but I I, okay, ask so <laughs> I live vicariously that way, and I've tried to do this yeah. with my nephew, and it's f- hilarious because you know my sister has this great amnesia about what our childhood was like. Right. And so when yeah. I was giving him beer as a kid, she's like, you can't give him beer. I'm like, yes. What do you mean? You dr- grew up drinking beer. Right. And actually it worked out good. Cause he turned into a home brewer and he's a big beer fan. Now That's too, awesome. You know, he's, he's got a, he's in his twenties He has a kid and everything. So, very cool. um, but no, I, you know, so I grew up in a very beer. It just wasn't anything, you know, bad. Mm-hmm. It was just part of daily life. I mean, I wasn't like, eight years old getting drunk, but mm-hmm. I would get a little glass of beer if I wanted a glass mm-hmm. of beer, you know, and I would, you know, ask for a glass. Of- I love the taste of beer. You know, mm-hmm. I never didn't like it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I always had that interest and in, and, you know, and then I, as a kid, I started collecting beer cans and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. always kind of read about breweries and was, you know, so, so it,
0: was it seated, all just kind of, yeah, deep seated. Yeah, yeah. Cool. When did you start home brewing? You said your home brew. Oh
1: yeah. Um. Two, Thousand something. I don't know. I've okay. brewed 331 batches of beer. I know that cuz I brewed 331 yesterday <laughs> Okay, Wow. so um, I've been home brewing for quite
0: a while. Cool. What what's batch 331 look like?
1: So it's a, a German style beer not surprisingly I guess <laughs> yeah. uh, In the north of Germany, they make this dark ale That they actually, they they use ale yeast. So it ferments at a slightly warmer temperature than a lager would. So it's fermenting about 62 degrees. uh, But then it goes into a cold conditioning period. Mm. So it's a very, um, it's a little bit hop forward. It's dark. uh, Rich malt character. I just, I love that style of beer. But mostly what I brew. So over the years, I've been really lucky to be able to collect a lot of recipes from breweries in this area. Mm. And I, I do a lot of stuff like that where I'll brew historic you know oshkosh beers and that's really cool yeah yeah do you do that with the, the sobs yeah well we've done a thing so the sobs every year have this homebrew event uh, named cask and caskets so um it's it, it's in october every year and what we do is it's open to the public it's all homebrewed beer mm-hmm. uh and it's free so wow. people can come in you have to get a ticket and you because we can't if it was free and just open the doors to anybody we'd killed <laughs> yeah. so you have to get a ticket uh the tickets free though but you just get the, it's part of a lottery you get your ticket um and then we make homebrew and, and serve it you know so what i usually do uh, myself and a couple of other guys um i usually bring out these recipes so we'll be pouring you know beers that were an 1850 recipe or something yeah. like that that were brewed in oshkosh and, yeah. have you ever considered creating a recipe book you know, no, I haven't. I should at some point, though. I, I think down the road, maybe I'm going to do that. I, um, I'm going to be working with Bare Bones Brewery uh, in Oshkosh soon on a series of beers that are historic Oshkosh recipes. Cool. And maybe when that all wraps up, yeah, I'll put something together. But yeah. I wouldn't do it as a book. I would just do it as, like, a PDF you could download. Yeah, That, that'd that be would be really cool. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Or if you did do it as some sort of, like, uh, physical handout or something, you could sell it for, like, a buck or two and you yeah. could even raise money for the so yeah or something. yeah that'd be yeah. yeah that'd be awesome i'm not a great salesman <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, i know what you mean yeah yeah but yeah that'd be really cool
1: yeah and and you know there's there's uh it it's surprising just like how much information on these beers is out there if you mm-hmm. if you dig into it you know yeah um and and they're definitely different and what's what I really like about some of the earlier recipes is the beers are totally tailored to what the local agriculture is like and what the local water is like yeah so around this area here this the water the the water from this area is great for brewing darker beers I mean it's like tailored made for it so these early on you know before these guys got hip to brewing chemistry and water chemistry they're making all dark beers you know it's hardly any pale beers at all yeah some there's some of these uh, tart um, Berliner weiss style ales that are pale but other than that they're all dark Wow so You know, if you think that's one place where hopefully, you know, these breweries that are currently existing will be able to kind of keep going and build upon is like, so, you know, in the 1860s, the brewers here are sourcing all their ingredients locally. Mm. So this was a huge area for hop growing. Mm-hmm. You know, Winnebago County was the fourth largest producer of hops in Wisconsin mm-hmm. at a time when Wisconsin was the largest producer of hops in the United States. Wow! And there were all these hop farms, you know, through Winnebago County. So these brewers are lo- using local hops. They're getting their grain directly from the local farmers. Yeah. You know, and it's a... You know, you talk about local beer. That's truly local beer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's right down to the very
0: grains that are in there wow it literally um it's like this book highlights that the microcosm of oshkosh is like the it's the history it's like the historical wisconsin like brewing tradition brand that is like sub, it's like everyone in wisconsin associates wisconsin with yeah. that but it's like it's a microcosm of like why that is yeah when seemed.
1: I when I got approached so this publisher approached me about this and they had seen the blog and stuff and they had said would you be interested in doing a book and I said I would only be interested in doing it if it's specifically on this area because mm. you know this is population wise that's tough for a publisher to swallow because you you don't have a big market right you know? uh and I said the reason I want to do that is because you know when people think about brewing in Wisconsin they tend to think of Milwaukee well, Milwaukee's right. an outlier. Those big breweries were not the true story of what happened in Wisconsin. The true mm-hmm. story of what happened in Wisconsin with brewing happens in places like Winnebago County mm-hmm. and Outagamie County, uh, Fond du Lac County. Fond du Lac had an incredible brewing history, like tons mm. of breweries. Um, and that's cool. and you know, that, that's truly what beer in Wisconsin was about. Yeah. But the ones that came to dominate, which you know, uh, the winner writes the history, I suppose, hopefully right. we're kind of getting beyond that, <laughs> um, right. is that, you know, it's, it's the Wisconsin brewing is Pabst and Schlitz and Miller. That's not the story.
0: Yeah. That's cool. That like, I feel like that's what you, like what we just kind of covered is like, uh, what people need to know about the book. Cause I don't know if, if Winnebago County beer ahead of history, like tells that, that, uh, you know the metaphor or the the microcosm of the 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 greater story yeah well
1: and you know you think about it like what's happening now i mean there's been a real movement to like people want to know where their food's coming from yeah they want to know where their beer's coming from too and like so part of that deal that we're talking about like the question you know why do you go there um so the reason i ask that to people is Mm -hmm. like because usually their answers are real interesting Mm -hmm. you know and one of the things that, that they'll say is like, well, I want to know the person that's making the beer. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you go to these breweries now, you go to McFleshman's here in Appleton. Those guys are the guys that are making the beer are right there behind the bar. Yep. You know, they're walking around there and, and they'll be more than happy to
0: talk to you. Oh, and that's, for sure. that's
1: the way it is at, at all these places.
0: Yep. Know? Absolutely. Now that we've gone and covered a lot of fun stories, I know there's more in there. Um, I, I wanna bring it back to that question of what are the nuggets that people are coming to you and just like shocked about.
1: Um, I guess, you know, it's it it goes back to the the thing about just how the similarities, you know, from back then till now. Okay. Like there's a thing in the in the book where um in eighteen fifty seven or fifty eight, yeah. the small brewery in Oshkosh is makes this Bach beer, you know? And they put an ad in the newspaper, and they say, come on, come on everybody, come on to the brewery, we got this special release. Well, breweries do special releases now all the time. Right, It's nothing new, you know? These guys were like, you know, they, they hyped it up. You read the ad. It's mm. just hilarious. I think one of the lines is like, we're going to give you a pleasure like never before. <laughs> you know, it's just really, they're yeah. they're really ripe with it, you it's know. Eat, but it's yeah. the same thing, you know. Yeah. It, yep. no, so now a brewery does a special release. They go on Facebook or Instagram <laughs> and Twitter and say, we got this special beer. We're going to tap it tonight. 1858, exactly the same thing, except they that don't have Facebook. Cool. They're they're in this German-language newspaper called the Oshkosh Deutsch Zetung. Wow. You know, it's it's their social media of the day, yep. and and right there's the ad, and they're presenting it in the exact same way. It's written in German. If it wasn't, you could put that on Facebook today and apply it to a brewery that made that beer, and no one would know the difference. It's right. the same sort of thing. That's cool. Yeah.
0: 160 years ago?
1: I'm an English major. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> that makes sense. But I, you know, that's the thing. It's it's it's. That's I, I guess that's the part. And that, to me, is edifying. I wanted people to know about that. That you know, what's happening now is not something weird. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a trend. It's not a, a fad. This is how things were. You know mm-hmm. what happened there. You know when industrial breweries took over. That's not really consistent with with our past. Mm-hmm. You know that's kind of an odd little period there. What's happening now is really more consistent with our past.
0: Yeah, and it's, it seems to be the means to communication was more siphoned at that time. Basically, they the big breweries had TV, and right. TV was the gatekeeper. That's a great point, I mean, because if you look at, all right, you look at beer advertising
1: in Oshkosh, and it, it's fascinating because, so these are papers that are particularly particularly targeting a special audience. There was another German-language uh, newspaper in Oshkosh named the Wisconsin Telegraph. They, they'll they put, breweries will have ads in there, and they'll say, okay, right now we have a Pilsner on, we have a Kulmbacher, we have a Wiener beer, a Vienna lager, um, we have an Edelweiss, and they didn't have to say to people, listen, this is what a Kulmbacher is. It's a dark lager, fairly strong, with you know a lot of nice warming quality to it because those people all knew what it was right you know they're going for a specific audience that they know is tuned into that newspaper yeah. and they knew who their readers are going to be yeah um so it's very specifically you know targeted
0: we almost went through like a mini dark ages of like um of, well, of beer a dark ages of beer but um of these like uh for the masses products yeah. because that's how tv worked right right is it, that's very interesting and it almost seems too like newspaper might have been a mini version of tv before it happened because like and i'm just guessing here but potentially that period like so you were saying like 1850s 1890s there was this just like massive amount of these neighborhood breweries and then all of a sudden they started being cornered yeah. by these big and and maybe the big guys were maybe i'm wrong but maybe they were using Newspaper, which was the media of the time better than the others. Right. And that allowed them. To
1: and work. not only that, like, okay, so that coincides with the same point where media starts uh, um, consolidating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in Oshkosh, at any one time, there were two, three, four newspapers. A lot of independent stuff. Right. So there was always this... You know, it's going to be really hard for Schlitz to come up here and say which newspaper are we going to advertise in? We're going to do all four of them. That's not going to work. You know, right. so they're kind of at a loss too. As as you know, you have consolidation in the media. It becomes easier for them to say, okay, that's the paper in Oshkosh. We're we'll going to give them the most. We're going to drill down, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really advertise.
0: Where when when there are more voices out there, it creates more opportunity for smaller players. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really cool. Weirdly enough that since you say that, um, I like we're kind of an independent media agency or media company, I guess. Right. For like our goals to be all of northeast Wisconsin. More or less we're like just Fox Cities, like basically Fond du Lac to Green Bay, yeah. Right now for the most part. Um but we keep our eye on other independent um you know, entities, mm-hmm. media media sources, and it seems like Oshkosh has the most. Like by a long shot. Really? Yeah. Like, um, now, now I got to think, but like, uh, there's Oshkosh independent there's, um, there's the Herald, which is independent and like at scale more or less. Yeah. They're going for it. Yeah. They're doing good. And, uh, and then you have, and then they have the, the traditionals, the corporates that have been there, the the Northwestern and um, stuff like that. But Appleton, I just saw one, I saw one, today for the first time, I believe. Otherwise, it's the Post-Crescent. You know, I wonder how much of that,
1: though, is because of dissatisfaction with the local outlet. With
0: how it's being. Because I'll tell
1: you, in Oshkosh, there's a lot of people that will no longer touch the Northwestern just simply because, I mean, they moved all their reporters out of town. There's mm-hmm. hardly any local news coming from that paper, so it creates gotcha. a vacuum. Gotcha, you know, um, That's speculation.
0: You know? Yeah, maybe. That, that maybe, and but to a degree, whether it's, whether it's business owners that have like had to deal with like inflation of prices because of a lack of, um, competition or what, yeah. but I think there is similar. I think there's obviously fans of all these things, but I think there is also a level of discontent. I'm sure with the press yeah. and the, uh, Oh sure. The yeah. posts and stuff, but, um, but yeah, maybe you're right. But it is—it's just fascinating to me that there's like three or four in Oshkosh, and there's like there's one in the Fox Valley, yeah. and there's—I don't even know if there's one in Green Bay.
1: Well, I, you know, the thing is, like, I think about like what I'm doing. Like, prior to the internet, you couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. So I write about really obscure stuff sometimes. I mean, it's I'm scratching my own itch, you know. And and surprising, example? surprisingly. Well, like, so, okay, today I posted something about this brewer that worked at the People's Brewing Company, uh, started in 1936, worked there until 1972 at the end. This is an obscure little story, yeah. you know? But I, all day long I've been getting contacted by people saying how much they liked hearing about this guy, you yeah. know? And there's no newspaper that is ever going to run something like that. Right. Because it would just be like, what is this? You this know? is like niche. This is like, you know, right. you're going to have 500, 600 people interested in this. That's it. And it's like, well, that's fine. I don't care.
0: Yeah. I don't care if
1: nobody's interested. Right. <laughs> um, you are. Yeah. And, but, you know, it always turns out and I always say this to my wife. It's like, I'll start going down these just ridiculously <laughs> obscure things. And I'm like, you know, no one's going to read this crap. And it always surprised me. Like, you know, all of a sudden and like getting all this feedback on it, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, it comes... Uh, this, like, term has been popping into my life too much in the last, like, two weeks, but it's, like, a labor of love.
1: Oh, it totally you is.
0: You know? And, yeah. like, people see that. And sometimes people don't want... Sometimes relevance gets boring because it can be... It's overdone. Yeah. It's like Area 51 memes, if you <laughs> saw that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But... um sometimes you do just want to like find something that just like shucks your like your path you're like wow oh, yeah. i forgot that path was even there yeah. or i didn't even know that was there like
1: i'll do this thing sometimes where i'll just write uh, like i'll come across something about a saloon that has that you know like burned down in 1910 mm-hmm. but you know between 18 18- 80 and 1910, all kinds of wild shit's going on there. Yeah. So I'll just write about this weird slew, and I'm thinking, nobody even knows this place. Their right. grandparents Why don't remember they? this place. Right. But then I think what happens, though, with some of that is, like, people know the part of town it was in. Yeah. And then, you know, you drive by there, and you think, there was some stuff happening here. Yeah. You know? And I think that's yeah. how people kind of get interested in it. And I'm when I'm doing it, I'm just, like, thinking this is just – I start researching it and I can't stop, you know, I'm just like,
0: this is, this is so cool to me, you know, but that's cool. Yeah. You, you are literally like a local example of like, uh, I mean, like, like you have your, your full-time gig and stuff too, but you're literally a local example of like what you could do with the internet. It's like, now, now that it's at scale, everyone's being told. And a lot of people didn't see it at the beginning, which is like how, you know all these at the beginning it, it was good when the real estate was free and mm-hmm. people it was for the grabbing and now like you know you you spend your time researching yeah. these things that you absolutely love and you can't stop and like well
1: i made a point to so about 3 years ago i started getting offers to talk uh where they are offering to pay me fairly you know, mm-hmm. decently, Yeah, and I kind of made a decision at that point that I wanted to steer away from that. So sometimes I still will do paid talks, but mm-hmm. like if I'm talking for a nonprofit, like a museum or a library, I never, those are sure. all free, because I didn't want to monetize it, because yeah. I never wanted to get to the, I always wanted to be at the point where, because I, I go down these weird pathways, and I don't want to not do that. I don't want to like start pandering to people, and like, okay, yep. th- I think, you know, this is something that's going to be popular, and might, right. you know. I don't want to do that. I just want to keep it like where I'm just fascinated by it. And I, so far, I mean, year after year, there's times where it's still like, Oh, I'm putting a lot of time into this yeah. and you know, things are going to hell everywhere else. Yeah. Um, but so far, you know, I haven't, I've never gotten to the point
0: where it feels like work to me. Yep. It's just all fun. You know? Yeah. So that's really cool. I think, and this is like a subtlety. Um, I just think it's, it's important to say to people, cause I think, I think, what's crazy about the internet is it it makes so far and maybe these holes or opportunity gaps will close with like the maturity of these like platforms that are now starting to act more like businesses yeah um, and kind of clamp down and uh, it's not so free anymore yeah. but um, it's important for people to realize it like if three years ago is when this thing hit scale because you were starting to literally get offers to yeah more or less. To have the opportunity to at least make like a supplemental living, I don't know if it would have been. Oh, I living could never. Not, no, right. I could never. Um, but that took you five years to get to that point.
1: Yeah, where I started getting people offering right. me money
0: to do things. Right. Yeah, and that's that's like a, that's an ode to the patience that it takes to build something for yeah. yourself. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you do like like I said, I didn't want to monetize it because I just didn't. I, I'm gonna to have to work full time. There's no way around it, you know. So I'd rather keep this as something I just love to do and not mm-hmm. ever have to feel like I need to do it. Um, but if 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 you are gonna monetize something like that, you need to be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna happen quickly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You need to like. First of all, I think for for a lot of these things, it's finding your voice and what you know you're you're doing. Yep. You know, really have an idea what you're doing. How um, long do and, you think it took
0: you for that to happen?
1: Ah. Uh, well, it was weird because you know. I, so I started the blog in 2010, January yep. 2010, and then in 2012, this guy who was a collector of of brewery memorabilia in Oshkosh, his name's Ron Aiken, great guy, great friend of mine. Uh, he wanted to do a book, mm. and I had done all this research, you know, at this point, and, and, and right, not, not a lot, not all the research, but yep. I'd done a significant amount. of have been writing. So he had all this Brianna, we we're going to use pictures of his stuff. And we did this book and that experience was painful, <laughs> but it was just like a crash course in
0: the whole thing. Cause I had to know that history from top to bottom, mm-hmm. you know, was it painful in the amount of work it took yeah. that maybe it wasn't as, as much as the blog is the labor of love because you get to attack individual things. Did it feel more like work or something? Is yeah. What because what
1: happened is we wanted to get. It, it was a weird circumstance. So initially we had a publisher, uh, so we had a deadline, you know, oh, and man. it was a tough deadline. And sure. I knew there was a, you know, I wanted to make sure it would be the best book we could possibly do this right. hard cover, full color, throughout, have likes you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I just, if I wasn't working, I was working on that book. Right. So, you know, your home life goes to hell, everything, you know? So I hated it. I, I didn't hate the topic. I just hated that it was all I did Mm -hmm. you know and that's hard I mean it's cool that
0: you got to see that early too though
1: yeah but that was just like from there that point on it's like okay I know what I'm doing here Mm -hmm. you know this is like I I know this story I know what's going on here
0: that's really cool that's a lot of a lot of self-awareness
1: well I mean it was just a kind of fortunate circumstance you know yeah and what happened is like so then when it came down you know we made this deadline and all of a sudden, the publisher started dragging their feet. So we could, I, I was like, "This is, this is not going yeah. right." So we took the book back and we wow. self-published it. Wow! Which was a little risky, you know, because it was an expensive book, it was a hardcover, full color, and all that. Um, but it paid off wonderfully. It the, the book sold out uh, within like a year. Wow! And now there's people selling this book at ridiculous prices on the internet. You don't want to. Like, publish more. I'm, I'm not sticking my uh, oh, neck on, on that block notes. again, but I don't know. Yeah. Down the line, we'll see. Maybe a paperback version or, or, or a, a, yeah. a Kindle or something, you know, something yeah. digital. I would like to get that back out there, but, uh, you know, this came up and there's only so much time. Right. Someday.
0: Right. That'd be cool. Yeah. You could read your own book. <laughs> I don't know if people could stand listening to my voice for that long. <laughs> I bet they would. I bet you have. Um, A solid core following yeah there's people
1: that you know they they i hear from them all the time you know they're checking it out and they're which is i mean that's great i it's a lot of fun for me because a a lot of times you know they'll point out things to me that i've don't see connections uh, stuff
0: you know where they're seeing stuff that i'm not Has, has there ever been someone that almost felt like Oh snap! Like I'm gonna mentor this person. Like anyone that's ever been like seeming like they got as passionate about you about it, like as passionate as you about brewing brewing and then you start answering all these questions and you're like, well, about brewing and stuff, yeah. Like people ask me. Oh, I guess I meant the history. Like, oh, like does anyone does anyone read as much about it as you? I mean, maybe yeah, not. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Does anyone even like? Com- I guess, or do you just become there's the like, source for it? Yeah. Because- so,
1: like, um, there's a book going to come out in August. Um, it's the entire history of brewing Wisconsin, written by a friend of mine, Doug Holverson, which I'm cool. eagerly anticipating this book. Yeah. And you know, so when he was putting his stuff together, he contacted me, and I'm like, you can have it all, Doug. I, yeah. So I just gave him all my research and. Because I want to see it accurate too. Yeah. And Doug's a great guy, and he's a great writer, so nice. I, He'll do it justice, you know. That's cool. And there's a there's a guy named John Harry who uh he's 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 a graduate student in Milwaukee now. Actually, right now he's an intern at the Smithsonian. Wow. Uh, he, so the Smithsonian has a beer thing going. Okay. Uh, you know about beer history, and he's an intern there, but he'll be coming back shortly. And he's has got to get you in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not moving to Washington. <laughs> he uh he's um. He's interested in um, in minority entrepreneurship during the civil rights era. So the People's Very Brewing cool. Company, the president was Theodore Mack, was a black man. Wow. So he's he's kind of dug into that, and he's been presenting things on that. So I've, you know, we've been in contact. Did about you make that a night. post
0: about that once? I think I did.
1: And he'll be he's going to be talking at uh, Fifth Ward in September. Okay. Um, just on, you know, uh, African-American entrepreneurship cool. and stuff like that. His and name's John. John it? Harry. Yeah. Okay. H-A-R-R-Y. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, so like people do come to me with stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've gotten like now and then I'll write for, uh, magazines, stuff like that. Cool. Like, uh, recently I did a piece for a brewery collection, ma- uh, magazine. that's about brewery collectibles and stuff like that okay. things like that. But cool. Yeah.
0: Um, before before we wrap up, what uh, and any advice or tips to to homebrewers out there? Don't quit. <laughs> Just keep brewing. Yeah. What's what's really
1: cool about it, homebrewing, is like okay. So my people ask me like, what's your favorite beer, and I'm like, homebrew. I I I love it when you can get homebrew from somebody that's really. Into it, and they're really happy that they just made this beer, you know. Yeah. And you drink that beer, and you like it as much as they do. That experience is so
0: cool. It's just so one to one, you know. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Your your wealth of information. That was fast. How long was it? I don't know. Okay. Holy cow. Hour 15. It zipped right by. Yeah, for I feel sure. feel like I never stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you have, you have a lot of info. Well, thanks for having me on. This yeah, was a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's a blast. Winnebago County beer. And what 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 percentage did we even touch on today, would you say? 20? <laughs> uh, 10? Uh, 5. 5%. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a story. <laughs> a heady history indeed. You guys got to hear... Uh, Some cool stuff, honestly. And uh, it gives me some hope in in public records. It's so cool that you can extrapolate all that. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, or extract, I guess, would be a better... um, So you're for sure that you're speaking thing is it the 17th
1: i believe it's a august uh 17th at the oshkosh Public museum it, it's on their website i haven't put it on mine yet but it'll be up there yeah it's gonna be history of prohibition in
0: oshkosh do you know is it like morning or evening or i noon, think it's or? afternoon
1: it's a saturday mm-hmm.
0: so uh i think it's like three in the afternoon or something like that okay yeah if you come to our biking brewery tour in Appleton that day <laughs> you, and you get out early, you, you know, I'm just kidding. Hey, but um, uh,
1: Fifth Ward Brewing Company is doing beer for it, too. Really? Yeah. Nice. You see, awesome. in Oshkosh, we have beer at the library. We yeah. Have the <laughs> right.
0: Beer at the parks, beer on the <laughs> river, beer everywhere. Um, awesome. Lee, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me.